Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is a replay episode with Sophia Amoruso. It was recorded back in January 2020 when I was in LA, back when we could fly around the world and interview people in person. I really enjoyed this interview because I got to go to Sophia's office and have a chat all about being the original girl boss. She is the author of the 2014 New York Times bestseller Girl Boss, a book that chronicled her early life as the founder of fashion empire Nasty Gal. And it was also adapted into a TV series that premiered on Netflix in 2017. Reading Girl Boss back in 2014 was a real moment for me. I remember buying my copy and going and sitting in a cafe reading the whole thing. I think it was because it was around the time I was making steps towards building my own business. I was 24 at the time and so much has happened since then. Since this episode aired, she's also founded a new venture called Business Class, which is a really amazing toolkit for founders. It's really jam-packed with so much stuff and everything that she's learned. So she's in part all that knowledge onto others. In this episode, we discuss all sorts of different things, the evolution of the Girlboss brand, how things have changed in that area and taking risks as a brand builder, starting all over again, and how her idea of success has changed throughout the years. If you like this episode, please do go and rate and review it. I'd really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy re-listening or listening for the first time. I associate that book with a turning point in my life. I was so lost and I read your book and everything started to change. That makes me so happy. You know, I never really hear about the age that somebody reads the book because when you're 24, it's really different than maybe 30 reading it for the first time, but it's been six years and to see like what has manifested. It's cool. Like, oh, people, yay, 2014, bestseller list, whatever. Mm -hmm. But six years later for people to still be like, yeah, like actually I can look back and that did impact my life. Like that's so much better than selling a book or it's like the gift that just keeps on giving. Because people, yeah, still discovering it. I'm sure like all the time. Um, Yeah. You must hear that a lot, but it really was like a defining moment for a lot of people. So for people that don't know your backstory and I'll only make you do this quickly because I know you've probably said it a million times, but what is so amazing about you is you were doing what is now social media marketing or whatever people pay the big bucks for you were doing like in your bedroom on MySpace when you were 22. And I think that's just so fascinating. I was hacking the system. So I started an eBay store called Nasty Gal. Uh, Nasty Gal Vintage, excuse me. It was vintage clothing. I'm wearing a vintage dress today in your honor. I'm wearing a vintage (laughs) t-shirt and vintage hair extensions and just sold vintage on eBay like so many of us do. There was no Facebook, Instagram, no, I don't think there was no Twitter, only MySpace, Uh, no Etsy, no like Venmo, no Shopify. Anyway, it was a different time. I'm 35. <laughs> um, so it was it was a lot harder to build a website, which I eventually did, and just harder to sell online. It was still relatively new. So I built an eBay business up to, I don't know what we did when we left. I left eBay. I guess it was like I. I always said we because it made the business sound bigger mm-hmm. than it was. So it just I made it sound like there was a customer care person. And I was like, we're so sorry. Your order has been delayed rather than like, I'm sorry. You know, you'd pretend there was a team. Well, not pretend, totally. but just allude to it. When yeah. I hired my first employee, when I interviewed her, she was like, whoa, this is just you. I thought this is like owned by Urban Outfitters or something. <laughs> um, but it exploded. I, it, and partially because 
I bought and sold things that I think people liked and there was creative and voice and a lot of different reasons, but also because of social media marketing. So that wasn't a word Mm. like that was like, I'm going to add as many MySpace friends as I can and hope that they like click on the link on my profile to shop my eBay store so I can market to them. Right. And I had this app that was actually not okay on MySpace's terms, but it was like (laughs) this kind of hacking the system little app where I could type in like an account name, Nylon Magazine, and then I could type in the location of the people that follow them, like Sydney, and then I could type in their ages, 18 to 30, and literally target as like almost as deeply as I wanted to. The, the customer that would have been interested in what I was doing and, and then push a button and add like six friends. And then I had to enter a CAPTCHA code, the like human verification oh, yeah. code thing. And I just sat there for hours adding friends much faster than I could have manually. And so it exploded. Eventually, I raised venture capital. We raised uh, 50 million, 60 million in venture capital. And uh, over the years, eventually did over 100 million in revenue annually. And uh, built it from 20, 2006 to 2016. So it was like a full 10 years almost to the day. But from obviously following you from day one, and I read everything, all the interviews, like all the YouTube panels, like I just soaked your knowledge up so much. I think I'm obviously not the only one. You've got like thousands of people coming to your girl boss rallies. It's so useful, all the stuff you talk about. But what was really interesting, I guess, is like the narrative that you also used, but also the media of like what happened when Nasty Girl kind of came to an end with you. Failure is important or making mistakes feels like a little less permanent than failure because failures kind of never, I mean, almost never, I don't know, like what permanent failure looks like, I guess just like giving up. Mm. Let me get through the chronology here. <laughs> I think I've aged faster than the average 35-year-old, and I keep wanting to th- say 36 because I'd rather just like overestimate. <laughs> but um, in June of 20, there it is. It says it right on that cover. June 21st, 2016, I was on the cover of Forbes magazine along with a list of America's richest self-made women, which was all stock in my company. And it's like, I have a great house and like I'm good, but I'm not like retiring anytime soon. Um, so I was on that list along with like all the kind of funny money of people who own expense like you know real estate or equity in big companies that may or may not amount to much i think they said i was richer than beyonce i wish not in the bank but on paper i guess i was at that point point. and a month later my husband of eight months like bailed it was just it was really really sudden and shocking and uh such whiplash and um And then in November of 2016, and this isn't something that was like happens overnight. The company had struggled raising more venture capital. It was just kind of a typical game of like grow faster than fast and spend way too much money and have unrealistic goals. A lot of what you hear with venture capital, that's not the only reason uh, what happened with Nasty Girl happened. But in November of 2016, 16, Nasty Gale filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which in the U.S. is like, basically, it kind of like wipes your slate clean. Do you guys have that? Mm, I'm not sure. It's basically just like relieves you of all your debt and stuff, right? which is really weird. And you can either like recapitalize the business or shut it down. And we sold it during that process to Boohoo. Mm. 
who now operate Nasty Gal in the U.S. and have since 2016 and I think are doing a pretty good job. They don't sell vintage anymore. Mm. But I'm not like embarrassed by the legacy that like there's still Nasty Gal billboards in L.A. and the Mm. creative like isn't like it's not what I would have done. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's still kind of cool that it still exists (laughs) in a way. It kind of is. I've left a wake of shit in my you know I've left a lot of paraphernalia I don't know ephemera with brands and books and that's fun to look back on you know you were saying that um a lot happened during that time when your former husband left do you think there is anything to do with when someone gets crazy crazy successful because I know people talk about like friends who kind of can't handle it and yeah he was with me through the whole ride Definitely. I I changed. My life changed. My lifestyle changed. A lot of my friends changed, but I didn't like swap out my old friends or anything like that. I ended up going to different kinds of events and buying different kinds of things and taking different kinds of trips. And I think for a little while, I, I heard afterward that from like the publicist who was representing me that I was like really difficult and they work with like A-list <laughs> clients. <laughs> so I just have no, I don't know who I was or how I was behaving. I had just like, it was like bewildering. It was terrifying and exciting at like, you know, in your twenties to have what happened, happened to me mm. between the company's success and the book and being this like darling of, you know, on the cover of business magazines or whatever. It's going to change you in some way. Yeah. Like, totally. I don't know anyone who would just like be totally the same. Part of me is really happy that Nasty Yell didn't work out long run or that I didn't become a bazillionaire because I think I would be maybe a really weird person and my values might be kind of fucked up. I heard what you were saying about how Nasty Gal was almost like an accident, but Girlboss was on purpose. Girlboss was on purpose. Still lots of accidents along the way. Um, You can't be intentional with everything or control everything. But it was my first time starting a business on purpose. And I did a lot right. We've, I mean, made plenty of mistakes. Really haven't made a lot of the same mistakes twice, which I'm proud of. And I've built what I feel like is a much better culture here, which is really important to me. Also can't control that. Being a second time entrepreneur is like being on the other side, like walking through the valley of the shadow of death or whatever it is and being like, oh shit, like I've made those mistakes. I know what those investors are going to ask of you. I know what kind of personnel and culture stuff is going to come up as you hire a hundred people in a year and try to get them to work together somehow. Some companies do it well. Uh, We did it okay. I think it's really challenging for any business that's growing as fast um, as Nasty Gal did. But it, yeah, it feels really good to be in, in this position. And I feel a lot more relaxed and obviously mature having kind of the periphery hindsight, everything that I learned over 10 years of largely doing it wrong. We all learn from other people, like what other people share. And it was amazing how much you did share and how much you opened up. But I wondered, you know, when success, as we all know in the dictionary is like on the cover of Forbes, all of this like traditional version of success, I wonder, you must have a different version now. Success is going home and like making a steak for dinner. Like mm. at like six, if I can, you know, it's, I don't really drink that much anymore. I'm not like enamored by events or the press or, you know, being, you know, rubbing shoulders with important people. Like, I'm just like, I want to do a good job at my job and do the right thing for our community and for the brands that we work with and for my team. Then I want to go home and like have a life or a personal life, which I didn't understand what that was when I was in my twenties. I didn't like 
what is that even? Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have those kinds of needs in in your thirties. Things change. You have a little bit more perspective and you know, the cover of Forbes, things like that are like really cool, but mostly is like legacy. I just like doing things that I can laugh at later on and be like 50, 60, 70 and be like, what (laughs) that happened. There's a Netflix series, right. That called girl boss that happened. It only went for one season, which was actually kind of a blessing. Cause it's a really weird thing to have happen in your life. I love the show. I love being part of it, but mainly it's just like saying yes to things that are sometimes kind of reckless. Like, did I know that the company was struggling when they put me on that cover and that like my financial circumstances could change in the future? Like, absolutely. But like, what a what a ride yeah. and what a story to tell, even if that's what happened and that's what happened. So I'm going to write another book about it, I guess. So much to write about. A lot. It's pretty. I mean, like you said, it's like you've lived three lives. <laughs> it's exhausting. I try not to think about it. Even though when I walked into Gelbus, obviously your the tagline is ambition starts here, but that doesn't have to mean the hustle culture. I like waltzed in at eleven fifteen, which isn't typical for me. But yeah, hustle culture isn't great. Ambition and I think hustle culture are a little bit different. You can be ambitious and have different ways of working. Mm-hmm. You can work all the time. You can work remotely. You can work from the Girl Boss Studios here in Los Angeles while you're on vacation like you are. Um, so I think ambition broadly is not just about our professional work and having side hustles and grinding, 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 but being ambitious and kind of grappling with not just learning day to day, doing better every day with what it is that we do professionally, but personally too, in our relationships with our family, with our home paying parking tickets Mm -mm. on time all of those things that just you know say hey i'm gonna show up a better person today more responsible to myself and those around me today than i did yesterday i consider that ambitious yeah i totally agree i'm definitely on that um that turn because i just turned 30 and i've got to say my whole 20s i i really only cared about work which now i realize isn't great but i don't really regret it either I think that's the time, the 20, your 20s are your time where you can get away with a lot. You can switch careers. No one's judging your resume the same mm-hmm. way that they will later in your career. Uh, you can move around. You you know, if you're in a city, you probably are going to get married and, and have kids a little bit later, which means that you're more flexible, which means you can put in more time on your career and, you know, hang out with friends, drink, like all the things that you do, I guess, or I did, or a lot of us did in our 20s that you can just go all day and have a dinner with friends and go do something afterwards. And at this point, I'm just like, whoa, that's past my bedtime. (laughs) I think I remember, and I don't know if this is right, but you, I think on your 30th birthday, didn't you go on like a really nice holiday, but it was like you and like two friends or something yeah and you were like i'm just gonna start the year like smaller really intentional i mean spending that kind of a money on a villa in cabo of all places wasn't small (laughs) right i didn't realize i'm not trying to it was with just a few friends but i think the biggest like the greatest gift of having money is the ability to be generous with other people Mm -hmm. and it not being a thing you know, when you lend someone something like a jacket or when I, mean, I still want my jacket back, but it just doesn't really matter the same way that it did when that was like that jacket was like 
oh my God, like I'm never going to get another leather jacket again. Or, you know, oh, I, I can go on this kind of vacation, but, you know, or my friend can't afford it. Like just being able to take your friends and family along for this ride that is like, you know, buying my mom a little David Yerman bracelet or something, mm-hmm. liking her feel like a queen, buying her like a coach bag or parking at the valet at the mall. <laughs> like those are things that are really exciting that you can't afford when you're struggling mm-hmm. and they can sometimes be small things, but being able to feed people at a barbecue at my house and buy a bunch of like real good sausages and feed, the, you know, have people be impressed by this, whatever. And I still love doing that. I can't, I don't really pay for friends to go on vacation as much as just like super expensive. There was a time where I thought like I would have pulled off all that I would have pulled off, could have pulled off at Nasty Gal and that Forbes cover would have come true. Mm-hmm. And I think I spent money like that, uh, which was fun, but I just don't anymore. Mm, and also, I mean, I remember reading something that Elizabeth Gilbert once wrote, like when she made loads of money um, from Eat, Pray, Love and it's almost like some friends, they kind of then start expecting it. And she was like, I just had to kind of draw a line. <laughs> yeah, I did that for a while where I was like, hey, I'm, well, if I mean, even today, if I'm going to invite you to an expensive restaurant and you're my friend who's like struggling, like it's rude to invite a friend who's in a different financial position to a restaurant that they can't afford and expect them to like, that's just like, that's my life. That's how I want to do things. And if I want my friends along for the ride, like there's a certain amount of of generosity that mm-hmm. I I would like to give them with the evolution of um, like the conversation of feminism at work and all that stuff because I feel like the early like 2010s like Catelyn Moran's book came out your book came out and it was just this like amazing time and I wondered how your relationship with reading like people's feedback has changed because I feel like people they get really snarky about something that's outdated. And I worry now because I've just written a business book and I'm like, in five years, mine's going to be like really outdated or people like change their minds about what's cool all the time. I think it's a lot tougher in fashion. I think Girlboss represents something a lot more, you know, a lot bigger than a book or mm-hmm. a word. You know, it's very much kind of an ethos. It represents something. It's a feeling. It's something people identify with. It's an identity. It's a brand. Like that's as kind of as good as it gets when you're building something and you're building a community for women. You know, people have gotten really literal about the word. Not a lot, but like girl boss. Why can't I just be called a boss? It's like whatever. Girl boss is a way of life. This isn't like a descriptive term. You can say I am a girl boss, but it's really about way more than being a female boss. And yeah, when I wrote that book, it was a different time for women. And I think I I thought it was a post-feminist time. And I thought that like, you know, everyone around me was, it was just kind of like assumed that we all knew mm you know, what, what that was and how important it was. It all explored feminism and that's not the case. And I think I was also naive in that I had never worked in a workplace that I, my name wasn't on the lease of. I had never worked in a corporate environment where I didn't hire all the people. I, when I raised venture capital and went to investors, I already bootstrapped my business from nothing to $30 million in revenue. So I showed up and I threw, I threw my weight around. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, you know, in a position which most of us are going and asking for investment with just an idea and nothing proven, which the power dynamic is really different. Don't men just turn up sometimes with an idea, whereas like statistically women are like, here's the proven goods. 
Yeah, women don't. Men just like overstate things. They're like, we're going to be a bazillion dollar business, yo. And they're really cavalier when they go in for a meeting. Is that the right word? And women are like, here's our conservative estimate of the next year. That's what I hear, at least. There's, Mm -mm. you know, that's what that's what people say. And I've done it. You know, you want to like, you know, want to outperform your your goals. But at the same time, when you're asking for that much money from people who have unrealistic expectations of your business, I think it's okay to go in and pitch unrealistic goals, which is hard to do because I'm an honest person. Yeah. And I want to keep my promises. Um, So there's a there's like a I think a naivete and overconfidence that you know some of us grew up with and some of us don't that applies to different parts of our career, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's financial or in management or in, you know, being in front of the camera or on a microphone or whatever that, you know, we have different levels of entitlement, entitlement in different places in our life. And that's one where in the finance world, women aren't really, you know, there isn't like a generational like knowledge that's been passed on of like how to do these things. It's so true. It's like, I know that it would probably help sometimes to just like exaggerate a bit, but I just don't like the idea of it because I feel like exaggeration can lead to like just straight up lying. I just want to be impressive with what's true. Like that's a goal. You know, like if I hold myself to that, then I've done a good job Mm -hmm. and I don't have to do that. But I don't know. There's other factors at play. Yeah. But that was so interesting what you just said about the semantics of um, of words and like how it's so tempting sometimes to get sucked into like the Twitter snark and like people just unpicking things. And it's like, do you know what? On the surface, we're all really aiming towards the, the same goal here. Policing feminism, you know, there's different perspectives, right? I just don't know if anybody benefits. It's just like not productive to be like, don't read that book. That doesn't relate to you. And it's like, if it doesn't, put it down. Mm-hmm. So I really want to talk to you quickly about your really exciting news because um, as another thing that I think people follow you for is you're so, you're very, you're always ahead of it, but also you always have surprises. I read in an interview somewhere that you'd said, um, and this was so useful, that we should really stick to our strengths or at least we should acknowledge them. And yours obviously is like building amazing brands. Thank you. And now you get to... You've been sold. Yes. So uh, just before the holidays, we announced that Girlboss was acquired by a company called Attention Capital. And actually, one of the co-founders is a dear friend of mine that I've known for six years. I've like occupied his guest bedroom when I visit New York because startup budgets. And we're part of a bigger family of people that include executives from Palantir and Vice Media and the former head of content at Snap that reported to the founder of Snap. People I could never afford to hire who now mm. kind of they don't work for girl boss but they're working on girl boss and they're building our future together i never have to go out and do a whole song and dance for investors again which means i can focus on the business and it's a sense of security stability i think for the business and for me especially given my fears of repeating my quote unquote i guess mistakes with you know financially running businesses to where I have a great foundation and can spend my my time doing things that are my best and highest and biggest contribution to the business and played my strengths, as you said. And when um, people or companies even are acquired, is it a case of you get to decide how long you want to stay? That's a, that was a conversation. 
um, I want to stay a part of Girl Boss. Girl Boss is my legacy, and I want to work with these people, and I'm excited about what we can do together. So it really wasn't that big of a conversation. Yeah, for any entrepreneur, it's like, oh God, what if could this go awry? What does that mean for me? Is my life going to be miserable? I don't see that happening. We're not like being acquired by some massive media company that's just going to be like, here, good luck and like put us in a corner. Attention is really engaged and really focused on helping us every single day build build the business. So that's not something I think about a lot because I feel like I have great partners. Mm, um, just like a collaboration. Yeah. So yeah, just lastly, I just wondered, what are you excited about? I always ask this at the end. What are you excited about that's coming up? It doesn't have to be work related. I have not. And this is embarrassing because of all the people like, quote unquote, girl boss, Sophia, whatever. Uh, I should have like set intentions for the year and it's now mid-January and I haven't. I'm going to. I've seen some examples of friends who've done a really good job of it. This year, I just feel really excited to have the foundation that I do to build the business that we can, which allows me to have the life that I want. Mm. So it's professional and personal, but if we're not happy in our professional lives or we don't feel secure, we're stressed out, which of course stress is going to come with the equation, no matter who owns my company, then you're able to live your life in a way that feels like, okay, like I'm secure. I can go home for the day. Maybe I don't have to log on on weekends, which I do sometimes. Um, but I think it's just this new era of the kind of relationship with executives that I've never had. They don't work for me. I don't know if I, who I work for. I don't like report to anybody specifically, which is the dream. (laughs) It's just cool. Um, and you're gonna have more time to write your book then. There's never such thing as more time. <laughs> but I am just starting to write my next book. Any suggestions you have on titles? I don't want it to be oh. like how to bounce back from failure or like resilience. Like I don't want it to be like super on the nose. So mm, it could be something more subtle. I don't know. I don't know. You'll you'll come up with something I really good. I name things before I manifest them and I'm just what? I maybe that that like rant that talent ran out. We'll see. We haven't actually spoken much about Girlboss Radio, so I'm just going to leave on on that plug as well. Because if you like this interview, go and listen to Girlboss Radio. It's so great. You have such great guests on there. Thank you. And you get um you get deep with people. Yeah, Girlboss Radio. Girlboss Radio is near and dear to my heart. It's our podcast. It's a weekly podcast. I host it. I've had so many amazing women, accomplished women on the show. And it's something I'm really proud of. It's it's just having those conversations with the kind of women that are in our orbit who have spoken at the Girl Boss Rally or who I've met over the years who are, you know, just shockingly successful, whatever successful means, wise, right? Can share mm-hmm. their perspective with us um, is what I what I try to do. And that includes the high points and the low points in our lives and our careers. And um yeah, that's what yeah. that's what we're up to. And that's what I love about it because even though success, you know, does have a certain meaning sometimes, there's like a vulnerability to the way that you interview as well. I feel like you get into the nitty-gritty of it as well. Yeah, anybody can write a profile piece on, you know, how someone's been, you know, perfectly successful, but like humans are only relatable if we talk about what's real, which is like it doesn't matter like how much money your company makes or how many covers you've been on or how many accolades you've had, you're making mistakes behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. People think that, oh, you're on the cover of a book or whatever, like your life must be different. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. like I wake up and I don't know, I don't want to sound like, uh, but 
it's it's all the same. It's just as challenging. It's just challenging at scale. Mm-hmm. Just being a human being it's is is a hard. lot. It's hard. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this, and I mean, all the best for this year. It's going to be really you. exciting. It's been such a pleasure. 